Hi, I'm Jim Stroud, and this is my podcast. Earlier this year, Oxford Economics released a report called How Robots Change the World. The report made a lot of claims, among them the speculation that robots would take over 20 million manufacturing jobs around the world by 2030. It also theorized that within the next 11 years, there could be 14 million robots put to work in China alone. Where did those numbers come from? Well, economists, economists, <laughs> economists, <laughs> economists analyzed long-term trends around the uptake of automation in the workplace, noting that the number of robots in the world uh, being used had increased threefold over the past two decades to 2.25 million. So, does this mean that the robots and technologies like artificial intelligence are an enemy to the working human? Um, I don't think so. I'll tell you why after this. Do you love four letter words? Who doesn't? And then you mix recruiting news and insights in with those four letter words. I'm Cheese. And I'm Chad. And we are the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Tune in wherever you listen to podcasts. We, we out. out. Employer brand professionals know that doing great work involves doing big, high level strategic thinking and getting your hands dirty. If that sounds like the kind of work you want to do, come listen to the Talent Cast. It's the world's most highly caffeinated employer brand podcast. Robots and automation provide an undeniable advantage to companies and to humans who work alongside them. With these technologies, you have less human error, especially when it comes to repetitive tasks. Uh, machines don't get tired or call in sick, so there is that benefit to productivity. And when you need to sift through tons of data and make sense of it all quickly, <laughs> what's not to love about artificial intelligence lending a hand there? Yet, there are some things that machines will never be able to accomplish, reason and creativity among them. Listen to this quote from Data Flare. They argued the pros and cons of artificial intelligence, and these were some of their points. No matter how smart a machine becomes, it can never replicate a human. Machines are rational but very inhuman as they don't possess emotions and moral values. They don't know what is ethical and what's legal and because of this, don't have their own judgment-making skills. They do what they are told to do and therefore the judgment of right or wrong is nil for them. If they encounter a situation that is unfamiliar to them, then they perform incorrectly or else break down in such situations. Artificial intelligence cannot be improved with experience. They can perform the same function again if no different command is given to them. With time, it can lead to wear and tear. It stores a lot of data, but the way it can be accessed and used is very different from human intelligence. Also, they can't cope up with the dynamic environment and so they are unable to alter their responses to changing environments. We are constantly bombarded by the question of whether it is really exciting to replace humans with machines. Artificial intelligence doesn't have feelings and because of which there is nothing like working with a whole heart or with full passion for them. There is no sense of belonging or togetherness or a human touch. 
they fail to distinguish between a hardworking individual and an inefficient individual. Machines can't be creative. They can only do what they are being taught or commanded. Though they help in designing and creating, they can't match the power of a human brain. Humans are sensitive and intellectuals and they are very creative too. They can generate ideas, can think out of the box. They see, hear, think, and feel which machines cannot. Their thoughts are guided by the feelings which completely lacks in machines. No matter how much a machine outgrows, it can't inherit intuitive abilities of the human brain and can't replicate it. So, if machines can only do so much, or rather specific things, what are the jobs that are being threatened? Well, according to a report from the Brookings Institution titled Automation and Artificial Intelligence, How Machines Affect People and Places, some people will feel the pain of automation more acutely than others. Here are some quotes from that report. Almost no occupation will be unaffected by technological change in the AI era. Some of the most vulnerable jobs are those in office administration, production, transportation, and food preparation. Such jobs are deemed to face high risk with over 70% of their tasks potentially automatable. All of these either involve routine, physical labor, or information collection and processing activities. High-risk jobs represent only one quarter of all jobs, however. The remaining more secure jobs include a broader array of occupations ranging from professional and technical roles with high educational requirements to low-paying personal care and domestic service work characterized by non-routine or abstract activities and social and emotional intelligence. No matter how you look at things, what is for sure is the world of work is being irrevocably changed before our very eyes. 25% of all jobs being at risk of elimination due to robots, automation, artificial intelligence, and the like is a big scary number. And if you are in an industry that is at risk, there are options like reskilling, learn something new. Leverage your existing skills in different industries, that's transferable skills. There's entrepreneurship, and then there's gig work. Now, whether the predictions laid out in the Brookings report are true or not, what I suspect is true without a doubt about the future of work, is not a scenario of humans against machines, but rather humans and machines working collaboratively to a desired end. Now, I'm going to share with you three examples of the future of work happening today, at least in my opinion, <laughs> after this. Entrepreneur Kylie Jenner makes an estimated $1 million per sponsored post on her Instagram, which makes her the highest paid celebrity influencer on the social media platform, according to the 2018 Instagram Rich List compiled by Hopper HQ and Automated Instagram Scheduler. 
Jenner is followed by singer Selena Gomez, who gets $800,000 per sponsored post, and star soccer player Cristiano Ronaldo, who earns $750,000. Together, these and other up-and-coming stars contribute to the $1 billion influencer market, which is expected to double in value this year. Now, all that is great until there is an Instagram bug and you lose over a million followers, which happened to Kim Kardashian, Justin Bieber, and several others. If it could happen to them, it could most definitely happen to you. The moral of the story? Don't build your house on rented land. I suggest you do what I did and get your own mobile app with Superpass. Superpass makes cutting-edge content apps easy, instant, and affordable. So whether you already have content or are looking to start making money by selling your podcasts or videos online, Superpass can help. So sure, build up an audience on social media, but drive the traffic to a property you own and that property should be Superpass. For more information, visit Superpass at www.superpass.app. That's www.supapass.app. Superpass.app. And be sure to tell them Jim Strauss sent you. Collaborative thinking is a procedure where members of a group combine their strengths and backgrounds to provide a collection of ideas to address a particular problem. Instead of an individual attempting to solve a problem alone, a group of people encourages creative thinking and yields an advantage with their various backgrounds and strengths. In the age of AI, this definition takes on a whole new significance. Take, for example, generative design, which is when an engineer uses software powered by artificial intelligence and cloud computing to create thousands of design options by simply defining their design problem. In other words, say I want to make a, a chair that supports 300 pounds, is three feet off the ground, and made from materials costing I don't know, $100 or less. I press a button and bada boom, bada bing. The software <laughs> generates hundreds, if not thousands of options. I tell the software what I like and don't like about its suggestions. And as a result, it gives me a new crop of options. The company um, Autodesk has some software called Dreamcatcher AI that does this. Uh, here's a clip from one of their videos explaining how it works. What if you could come up with thousands of options for a single design without drawing, all of which meet specific goals set by the designer? And from those options, pick the one design that delivers on the most important criteria, the design you couldn't possibly have imagined. This is generative design, a technology that harnesses massive computing power, creating forms with precise amounts of material only where needed, achieving maximum performance while wasting nothing. Another example of collaborative thinking in the age of AI is the use of digital twins. Now, digital twins are virtual models of physical equipment. Let's say you build a prototype of a new type of car, then you make an exact virtual version of that car. Now, once you have the virtual uh, video game version of your car, you test the video game version of your car a thousand times in order to see how your real prototype car will perform in the real world. Now, believe it or not, there are companies out there that are doing this now. One such company is Mavea. 
Listen to how they explain what they do. Manufacturing machines can be a complex and costly process. Assembling the first prototype from parts that haven't been developed or tested together will often cause problems, and getting everything to function properly may require significant amounts of materials and effort. Nobody wants to be known as the manufacturer of poor and unreliable machinery. So wouldn't it be great if you could build your first prototype, secure in the knowledge that it already has hours of thorough testing behind it? Well then, may we introduce you to Mavea. Mavea combines all plans for your machine into a single virtual model called Digital Twin. This includes all the components necessary to build your machine, such as the interface to the real control system. The Digital Twin that is created is a virtual physics-based representation of your machine, capable of simulating its behavior and use in real time. I think the best example, though, of machines and humans working together has to be how the financial sector is using AI to inform their decisions, but not make decisions for them. Take, for example, the words of Tom Doris, who is the head of trader intelligence for a company called LiquidNet. He asserts that artificial intelligence should be seen as a tool for human decision makers in investments, not an automated process. I quite agree. Hear him in his own words when he was on the CNBC, CNBC show, uh, Squawk Box. The AI component, I'm not quite sure how that, uh, how that fits quite in yet. Uh, is that on the active side or does that work itself into the robo side? I think the industry is trying to figure out how these new technologies can be applied to uh, the investment process in mm -hmm. general. What our point of view is that it's more about being RoboCop rather than Terminator. It's about <gasps> augmenting rather than replacing, right? right? So what we find is a successful application of artificial intelligence is to find anomalies in the market and then hand it over to the human individual to judge what is happening in that situation. So we can augment intelligence, make you more effective, have your focus be more intelligently applied to unfolding situations, not dissimilar to what new mm. services do. How do you divide up the task, though? Because when you think about the human element here, I mean, there's so much data that's available there mm -hmm. right now, and you could argue you want to use AI to cut through all of that. Mm -hmm. Where does the human element come into play? So the human element comes into play where you use your AI to find the information in the data, present that to the human, and then have the human understand the unfolding situation. Because listen, what's happening in the market is that there's a human on the other side. And the trader is trying to infer, is that person trading with informed information, good information, or are they simply being clumsy, leaving a footprint in the market? Is this an opportunity or is it a risk? And really, only a human can make that judgment right now. But don't these two things crash at a certain, uh, at a, at a certain point and at, at, a, at a certain inflection point? human emotion can say, this is ridiculous. I've never seen this sort of thing happen before. We can't let it drop anymore. You know, we can't, it, 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 some, you know, it's going to turn around if we wait any longer or something like that. God, I sound like a movie script or something uh, like that. I mean, doesn't human emotion actually interfere with the process? Because if you're programming something in and you're using as much historical evidence as possible, as much historical experience, aren't you supposed to sit back and let it do it, do the job for you and not interfere. I mean, that's what, that, basically it's like taking the steering wheel and turning it when it wants to go the other way to save you from making your own mistake. Yeah, I mean, the, the sort of bias in the data sets that we use to train AIs is a major problem and everybody has to be very aware of that. And we've had some pretty high profile examples of, you know, where that's gone wrong when, wow. say, chatbots have been trained on, on large corpuses of information that have, 
you know, political biases or racial biases, and that's obviously something that people are becoming more aware of. Mm -hmm. But in terms of what I think you're referring to is, you know, do you want to be entirely systematic? Well, the fact is that in the face of changing macroeconomic environments and political environments, we need humans to sort of understand that risk and interpret our appetite for risk as clients of those asset managers and, and investment processes. So tell me, are you feeling a bit safer about machines not taking your job away or are you feeling more nervous than ever? <laughs> leave a note, rather leave a note, leave a comment and let me know how you're thinking either way. I'd appreciate that. I so want to hear from you. If you love what you heard, hate what you heard, or don't know what you just heard, I want to know about it. You can leave a comment concerning this podcast on my website at www.jimstroud.com. In addition to finding source material and related information for this podcast episode, you'll find other goodies that I hope will make you smile. And if you have not already, please subscribe to my website. Your continued support keeps this podcast train chugging down the track. That's what ransomware is all about. It's psychological pressure. Ransomware. When your computer's hacked into and your data held ransom. Attacks are on the rise and Russian gangs are making billions of dollars. The moment I got that message, I knew our greatest fears that we ever have are starting to come true. The post-Cold War era is over. Dot com, the hacking. A new season from Crowd Network with me, Katie Puckrick. Just search for dot com, that's D-O-T-C-O-M, and subscribe.